hey, before you sit down, I know you're used to sitting down, but uh, I'm up here and I have something for you to do just to apply the message real quick, all right? You ready? I know we got to shake hands, right? We got to shake hands, but that's the, I mean, love. I mean, we love without condition, right? So uh, everybody in this place needs a hug today, all right? So, so I'm just saying, like, you got to find somebody that you're willing to hug and uh, give them a hug before you sit down, right? Go ahead. No, your wife does not count. <laughs> Hug somebody else. That's right. I see you guys. I see you guys that all you did was hug your wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't get outside your box at all. Come on. Come on, men. Like, I don't like to hug. Yeah. Well, hey, we're committed to it. We're committed to it, right? Uh, this is what we do. I thought the trailer was amazing. I hope that you all go to the movie. I hope you go several times. What keeps movies in the theater is people attending them. Does that make sense? Is that clear? That means carve the budget out, do whatever you have to do, spend a little extra money, not just take yourself to the movie, but then once it's pierced your heart, once you've laughed, once you've cried, once it's penetrated your heart, I've seen it twice. It will do that. Then go find some friends, some people that you have maybe judged or haven't loved or haven't forgiven and invite them to go with you. Pay for them. Right? I said it's going to you have to carve some money out of your budget. Pay for them to go. And in doing that, you'll pass it forward. They'll be pierced by it. They'll be encouraged. They'll be laughing and crying and wanting more of a church that does that because this is what we do. We welcome without judgment. We love without condition. And we forgive without limit. We're in the middle of a three-week series, so we're in the season there, that, that middle one, the one that is most important of all, I would say. We love without condition. And we are committed to it. And so in the spirit of being committed to it, I just want to say this. You should not be able to bring to your mind right now someone who you would not turn to and warmly embrace. Just think about that. That's tough. Probably thinking about, well, I'm glad that person's not here. When you think about what I just said there, that we should not be able to think of a person that we wouldn't give a big hug to and say, you're welcome here. I love you. There's a gap. I can feel it. Can you feel it? I fall short. Do you? That's great. <laughs> because let the Holy Spirit the person you came to meet with today, let Jesus Christ, let God the Father, let Him fill that spot. Let Him fill that gap so that we can walk out of here loving without condition. Does that make sense? All right, well, if that makes sense, turn to John chapter 13. We're going to study this from God's Word. Don't take it from my uh, opinion or what I say about it. What does God say about this loving thing? And uh, He talks a lot about it all through scriptures, but we're going to study this one verse in chapter 13 of John. Chapter 13 of John. Go over, turn over to that. Chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Um, could be its own book, honestly. Right? This is called the Upper Room Discourse. You ever heard of it called that before? If not, you learned something new today. All right? And, uh, like the Sermon on the Mount, like the Olivet Discourse, um, these are messages that Jesus preached. These are words that Jesus said. This is really, really important. And where Matthew says nothing about this, and, and Mark says nothing about this, period, right before Jesus went to the cross, Luke has like, what, 15, 16 verses on it. And John who says, so that I wrote this so that you might believe, right? 
takes 155 verses and he says, this is really important. This is going to help you believe that Jesus is God. So as we study it, let's keep that all in mind. The Upper Room Discourse, these are some lasting instructions. These are the last things he's saying. And uh, what do you expect when uh, somebody says something at the end? Expect him to say something new? No, I don't think so. <laughs> we all know the value of repetition. Uh, we all know the value of saying something that's important first and most often and at the end too, right? And so I'm expecting him to say something about something he's ever already said. But that's not what Jesus does. If you pick it up, uh, let's just uh, read verse 31 just to get the context. Um, chapter 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. He um, <laughs> washes Judas's feet, who's going to betray him. Just think about that. And then after Judas leaves, he teaches the disciples about communion and remembering him. And then he gets to this, verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified. It's time. It's time. We're only a few minutes. We're only a few hours away. And God is glorified in him. This is what he came to do, to go to the cross. And if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself. He's going to raise him from the dead and glorify him at once. Little children, this is the only time he ever says that. Little children, loved ones, precious ones, right? How do we treat kids? Just they're so precious. He's talking to his disciples and he says, yet a little while and I am with you. It's only going to be a few more minutes. It's only going to be a few more hours and I'm going to be gone. You will seek me. Of course, he's their master, rabbi. They're following him. And just as I said to the Jews, he had told them two times. So now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. You're not going to die yet. You're not going to the grave yet. That's where I'm going, and I'm going to come back. That's a later thing. And then he says these two verses to end. A new commandment. You might want to just circle new commandment. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. I've got that underlined in my Bible. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, they must have choked on their food right there, you also are to love one another. Love one another. I underlined it the second time. By this, that's love for one another, all people will know, they'll see it, that you are my disciples, if you, a third time, love one another. It's pretty clear. He says it three times. Loving is important. It's great. It's the great commandment. So just a few things I want to highlight in regards to this out of the passage, okay? Loving without condition is these three things. Loving without condition is, first, the expectation of every believer, of every disciple. Loving without condition is the expectation that God has for every disciple who's following Him. It says there, commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's an order. It's an expectation. Right? Like the Ten Commandments are kind of like, yeah, just hang them on your wall. If you feel like doing them today, do them. If you don't, then don't. No. And this commandment isn't like that either. And it's not burdensome because we have the Holy Spirit living in us if we have accepted Jesus Christ by faith. Notice that it's a new commandment. It's funny that he says a new commandment, isn't it? Because has God not talked or shown love at all? Like God's been loving his seed, loyal love in the Old Testament for a long time. 
He's the only one that was loving when everybody else walked away. But this is new. It's different in this. Jesus Christ is telling his disciples, not modeling it. He's already done that. And he's not telling the crowds. He's not telling uh, the Pharisees, right? He's telling his disciples, this is it. But it's also new in another way. It's never been this way before where Jesus is like, it's love in the flesh, right? Love took on flesh. That has seed love in the Old Testament became agape love in the New Testament and it took on flesh and it dwelt among us. It walked side by side with us and it gave us Because he walked in the Spirit and perfectly, it gave us a pattern, a way to do that as well through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus paved the way for us to love a way we never loved before. That's what's new. It's new. It's a new higher standard of love based on Jesus. And it's real. But doesn't it feel impossible? (laughs) I'm like, ugh! I think the love you're talking about is impossible. Well, it's impossible apart from the Holy Spirit, right? Look at, look at this verse, uh, Romans 5.5. 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen? A couple of verses later, it says, but God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why we can love like Jesus Christ. That's it. It's an expectation of every believer. I just thought I'd ask you guys. I mean, I'm sure there's some expectations. You probably had some expectations as you were coming to church today, right? Uh, Those might might not be biblical, (laughs) but that's okay. But what are some biblical expectations that every disciple of Jesus uh, has, right? That that we have on, on people that follow the book, right? What are some biblical, by-the-book expectations of Christ followers? Go ahead, shout them out. What's that? Healing, great. What else? What? Worship the Lord. Resurrection. Love your neighbor as yourself. What are some things that are expected of us as disciples? What would you expect a disciple, by the word of God, to do? Be forgiving, make other disciples, yep. Share the gospel, be bold. Have community, yep. Pray, yep. Be honest. Bear fruit, yes. All of these things, they're all expectations. It's like, oh, they're piling up. I don't know if I can meet them all. Yeah, aren't you glad it's not you? Because you can't meet them all. I wrote down a few faith, prayer, teaching others. That's expectations in the Great uh, Commission, right? Baptism, right? Isn't that an expectation of every follower of Jesus Christ? That they be baptized? Tithing. We're going to talk about money. Oh, man. Boldness. But love is the greatest of these. The highest and most important expectation of every follower of Jesus Christ is love. That's it. If you love, you fulfilled the whole law, it says. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. I'm just going to put this verse up for you. Put on then. Here's some expectations for you. As God's chosen ones, because you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, that's an expectation, kindness, there's another expectation, humility, an expectation, meekness and patience, bearing with one another, and if, if anyone has a complaint against another, does that ever happen to you? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Last week I said I was critical. I have a few complaints, right? forgiving each other as the lord has forgiven you forgiveness we missed that one didn't we that's an expectation of every believer 
so you also must forgive. But do you see what it says next? And above all, all of these things that are expectations, above all of them, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. All of those other expectations are bound together by this one thing, love. We have to love without condition. And loving without condition is expecting. It's the expectation of every disciple. No expectation is greater than the love. And we must love like Jesus. It's a high bar, isn't it? Well, that's the next thing. Loving without condition is the example of Jesus' life. Aren't you glad we have an example? Somebody to follow. Did you see it there in the Scripture? I give you, it's a gift that Jesus gave us to come and live amongst us and so we could see what He was like. I give you. And then He says, just as I have loved you, you must love one another. Just as I did it, just as I led you, just as I fed you, just as I cared for you, just as I provided for you, just as I protected you, even from yourselves sometimes, right? Right before this, they were yelling at each other about who was going to be the greatest in the upper room. He's like, chill out. Let me wash your feet and get this solved, right? Like I'm protecting you from yourself sometimes. I love it. Just look across the page at at chapter 13, verse 15. For I have given you an, what does it say? Chapter 13, verse 15. I have given you an example through the washing of feet that you also should do as I have done. I loved you. I served you. You do that too. I've been the example. He served them. He taught them the Lord's Supper and many other things. How to remember Him after we'd be gone. He pointed them to the father and son relationship, to that relationship of obedience and joy. Obedience brings joy. He pointed them to all that stuff and to sacrificial love, to die to himself. He died for us. He died for us. Just flip the page the other way, chapter 15, where it talks about abiding. Look at verse 9 after, chapter 15, verse 9. Aren't you glad we're studying the Word? We're not making this up. It's not worldly love here. This example is Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus said. Verse 9 of chapter 15. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. Focus on my love, because my love is the Father's love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. You know what's going to bring joy? Abiding in His love. It breaks every barrier. It's everything. And he goes on. This is my commandment, that you love one another. Yeah, yeah, it's a new commandment. Yeah, I just learned that. And it's, it's God's commandment. Yeah, and it's the example he gives. Yes. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And then this, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life and rose from the dead, and he did it to make himself a friend of everybody, right? To extend his friendship to the whole world. Anyone that will receive him will be called sons of God. I love that. Thank you, Christ. But you say, uh, <laughs> those were his friends, but those were his friends, right? So, so I have enemies. Jesus just had friends. No, Jesus had the Pharisees. How did he treat them? He spoke the truth. He was firm, right? 
But he went to the Pharisee's house. Remember that? We studied that. He welcomed without judgment. He might have been firm, and he might have told them the truth, right? Can't be afraid to speak the truth in love. We have to love without condition. You go, well, how, how about the example of Judas? Judas betrayed him, and he loved him, and he washed his feet. Who's betrayed you this week? In your life. What relationship has been there for you and then turned their back and walked out? Betraying you. Would you love them? This isn't just friends. This is everyone. Peter denied Jesus Christ three times. And by the way, the only reason he was in that position to deny him is because he disobeyed him first. He said, stay away, right? And he followed him. <laughs> like, you're all going to go away, right? No, he didn't. He didn't follow Jesus' instructions. And so he put himself in a bad position. And then he denied Jesus three times. And God knew he was going to do it and still loved him. Told him he was going to do it. And still loved him. Still washed his feet. Who's denied you? Who's rejected you this last week or maybe in your lifetime? Maybe you felt rejected by your parent or a coworker or a boss or by your kids. They just flat out rejected you. You're not my dad. You're not my mom. Would you love them? Jesus loved Peter. Came back and restored Peter. Do you love me, Peter? Yeah, I love you. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. God, you know I love you. Who showed Peter how to love like that? But Jesus. It was Jesus' life. It was the example of Christ's life. That's how he knew. What about the woman caught in adultery? Let's just take it a little bit deeper. This is the worst and most detestable thing ever in that culture, right? She was caught in the act, brought to him naked, right? Anybody ever been in that spot? You didn't want anybody to know what you had done? You wanted to cover it all up? And yet Jesus made it all go away, didn't he? What did he write in the sand that made it all go away? Maybe he just wrote the word love. <laughs> Maybe he just wrote love and they all walked away. Because they knew it was the greatest commandment. He loved her anyway. He said, go, right? And sin no more. I think it was the love of Christ that helped her to do that. It wasn't the rebuke, and it wasn't the stones flying. It was the example that Jesus Christ had. There is this, right? The don't hurt yourself love. <laughs> You, you, there's some times where you just have to say, hey, love is telling the truth as well, right? Because you go on that side and you're like, that's abuse, right? She was abusing the grace that God's given her. And sometimes we do that. But love is also telling the truth. You can't do that anymore. I won't let you do that to me and I won't let, let you do that to anybody else. It's not right. That's loving. It's not loving to let sin continue. You're hurting yourself and you're hurting others as well. Sometimes love says the hard thing and sets the boundary. You are damaging everything precious to you when and if you are in your right mind. Sometimes people just have to say that in love. Christ had that example too. The problem is this. We're all caught up in the world, and the world says this. The world says that if you love me, then you won't tell me no. 
Don't tell me no if I want to have sex with you because you love me. What? I'm telling you no because I love you. Don't hurt yourself, bro. You have no idea what pain you're causing right now. The world says, if you love me, then you won't disagree with me. And the way I feel about this, no, I'm going to disagree with you if the Bible says so, because I want you to know the truth. This is a love letter that God wrote to his children. He wants you to know the truth. Our world says that if you love me, then you will accept everything I do and say. I just got to tell you, that's not in the Bible. That's not love. That's not the love that Christ has. The love that Christ has will convict and convince you to a better way. All the time. This next thing, look at verse 35. By this, all people... By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What does it say? All people? Does it say all people there? Are you, look at that. Who? Everybody? Even the person you couldn't give a warm embrace to today? Yep. They'll see it. All people will see it, and they will know. It's not they might. It's not they will think about. It's not. It's a, this is a strong statement. This is a very strong statement by the Lord Jesus Christ as he goes to the cross. All people will know. When we love without condition, all people will eventually understand, maybe not in a second, but they will understand that we follow and love Jesus Christ, which gives them a greater opportunity to follow and love Jesus Christ themselves. They'll know the way. They'll know the truth. They'll know the life. They'll see it in you. When we have love for one another, everyone sees the evidence of Jesus in our lives. That's the third thing. Loving without condition is the evidence for all people. It's the evidence for all people. When they see that, they see everything. They see Jesus. When they don't see that, we've got nothing. than this. Loving without condition is these three things. It is the expectation for every believer. It is the example of Jesus' life. It is the evidence for all people. So what's the application in my life? I think we've already had some. I've been pierced already. But here, let me make it really clear. So we must... So we must embrace love's priority. Again, verse 34a. We must embrace love's priority. This is the first and greatest commandment. Matthew 22, right? 37 through 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second one's like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything hangs on these two things. We must love. We are supposed to love God. We are supposed to love others. We have to love. It's built into us. This is a most important thing. You can exceed, succeed at a thousand things, but if you fail at this, you're failing. If you fail at love, you're failing. Anybody have relationships? Anybody? You guys just didn't walk in here by yourself, did you? You ever fail at those relationships? Can I just tell you, most of the time you fail, it's because of love. Or a lack thereof. You are failing 
in your relationships. You're failing relationally if you're failing at love. But love is powerful, isn't it? Love is the thing that can bring it all back. Love is like Mount Everest, right? Love is like Mount Everest, the highest peak. You span the globe and you look for the highest thing, the greatest thing, and geographically you're going to get to Mount Everest. And relationally, you're going to find that it's love. It's love. That's the thing that we can't live without. How many of you guys have been to a wedding before? Anybody? Yeah, you've been to a wedding before? What's the passage that everybody wants to preach at a wedding? Well, that was easy. You must have been to a few weddings. It's like the same message every time. Flip over there, 1 Corinthians 13. Just look at it a second. You have to embrace love's priority. It's a big deal. And this love we're talking about is unselfish, it's supernatural, it's life-giving, it's joy-producing. It changes everything. I won't read the first three verses, but I'll summarize it. If I do all these things and don't have love, I am nothing. That's the summary. And then he says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not selfish. It is not irritable or resentful. Man, throw me out. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And some of your Bible says, love never fails. Right? It's a good translation too. Love never fails. Love never fails at what? What is he saying? Love never fails at? Fill in the blank. Love never fails at anything is what he's asserting. Love never fails at anything. So if you need to break through something, say we'll just come back to the relationship thing. Because this is read at weddings, and most of the time by the end of the honeymoon, the people are like, not that, right? It's like they've already had several fights by then. Love. Love never fails to do anything. Love is the way forward in any relationship. I mean, literally, love is relational dynamite. It obliterates everything in its way. Anything you have with someone else, put love on it and it'll blow it up. Love never, ever, ever fails. It doesn't fail to conquer selfishness. That was verses 4 and 5. Love always conquers selfishness. Love never fails to conquer status quo. Oh, I think my relationships are fine. You know, it's okay that we don't talk every day. It's okay that I don't like that person because they don't like me and we don't even get together. You know, it's just the status quo. We'll just keep the status quo. We'll just be fine. Don't be fine with your relationship with your wife. Don't be fine with your relationship with your kid. Don't be fine with your relationship with your husband. Let love take that relationship to a deeper spot. Love never fails to conquer skepticism. Verse 6. Rejoices in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love never fails. Love removes everything that prevents you from the heartfelt, warm embrace, right? There should be nobody, Mike, come here. There should be nobody, right, that you can't just walk up to and be like, love you, man, love you, you know? There's nobody. There should be nobody. 
Only love can do that. It's not easy to love. But God's not finished with that person yet. Do you know that? And God's not finished with you yet. So extend the same love to them that you want to get from Christ. God's still working on me and you. All in favor of a second chance? Yeah? Hey? I want a second chance. Then let's hand some out. That's the loving thing to do. Then this. So we must emulate love's example. I mean, seriously? They're out there, they're walking, and he's like, yeah, just like me. And they're like, hold on. You want us to act like you? Like you want me to be like you, Jesus. Are you hearing yourself? Let me yell at you a while. Like, I mean, what are you thinking? You love and give without partiality? You faithfully spend yourself to the point of exhaustion and then carefully withdraw to go and replenish yourself so that you can go back and do it again? You? You wept over Lazarus. Our people were laughing and saying it could never be done. You rose him from the dead. That's your love. It says he loved him to the end. You washed our feet. You were baptized when you didn't need to be and had no sin just so that we would know what to do. You showed us how to live in the Spirit so that we might know that it can be done. And you, Jesus, you, we're supposed to be like you? They wouldn't have known this at that point, but we do now. You went to the cross to die for me. You are the greater love because you did lay down your life for me. You want me to act like you, Jesus? Wow. Is that a tall order? Guess I better get in the Word this week. Guess I better start reading what Jesus is like if I'm going to act like him, right? That's what I'm thinking. When I, when I get to this point, emulate Jesus Christ, I'm like, how? Read the playbook, right? Start reading the scriptures and start figuring out what Jesus does because what he does, you want to do, right? That's the best application I can give. Are you learning from his word Are you learning from Jesus Christ how to be like Jesus Christ? We have to listen. We have to read. We have to know. We have to apply what we learn and then live it out because it affects all people. That's the next thing. It affects everybody. So we must embrace love's priority. We must emulate love's example. And we must extend love's impact. We have to extend love's impact. You know, love can only go as far as you allow it to. You could be a huge conduit for love. It could go to a lot of people through you. But if you want to cut it off, if you want to turn off the switch, you have the controls. We want to extend love's impact. Now, apparently, this is a very uh, hard thing, right? Apparently, it's easy to get this wrong because Jesus says it three times, (laughs) right? Like, apparently, like, you could screw this up. Exhibit A, the world we live in, has love all messed up, right? So apparently, you could screw this up. You can get it wrong, and and Jesus, in, in this way, wants to, like, set it straight. So he's like, hey, 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 love one another. I mean, love one another. Again, love one another. It's like, we would never do that. Hey, Michael, I need a hug. I need for you to hug me. It's a hug I need, Mike. You, me, hug. Like, you don't, like, by then they're like, get away from me. Right? Like, get away from me now. But that's what Jesus is doing. He's using repetition to make a point. And why do you make a point? Why do you use repetition? To add emphasis, to add focus, to say, don't get this wrong. 
Don't screw this up. Don't mess around with this. Don't misunderstand this. And so with the fear of misunderstanding this, for fear of misunderstanding this, I, I thought of a few things that uh, the, I'll call them five love substitutes, okay? Five love substitutes. Let's just, I like alliteration. This is a good thing. Here's number one, sentimentalism in the church. <laughs> Can't we just get back to the good old days? I know that's not a problem in our church. This is the good old days, right? We've only been here five years. What do you want? But wasn't it awesome when we went to two services? I mean, the holiday season can be a lot like this. We just went through a holiday season. It's like all these warm, fuzzy feelings, and I just love that. And is it really love, or is it just like reminiscing? People often say, can't we just sing that song again? I like that song. I want to relive the feeling that that had. To be sentimental or because you want to love God? What is it? Just saying. It can kind of get screwed up. Five love substitutes. Shallowness. Sometimes we think love is love and it doesn't cost anything. And that's shallow. Love has a price. It costs something. It's going to hurt to love the way we're talking about. It's not shallow. It's not just saying the words. It's actually making the actions to do it. It's not just in word, it's in deed. So it's not lip service, it's not shallowness. Five love substitutes. It's, it's not sweetness. Oh, that person's so sweet. I love her. She's just so good, right? She's nice. Like, really? Nice? Like, like 90% of people are nice. We're in Minnesota. 99% of people are nice. Only the Grinch is not nice in Minnesota. That's why they call it Minnesota nice. But being nice doesn't cut it, you know? Nice isn't hard to achieve here. We're all a little cordial. Nice, though, can just be good rapping on selfishness. I'm just being nice to you because I want to get what I want to get. I'm just saying what you want to hear because then you'll give me what I want. So that's a love substitute, sweetness. And then this, selectivity. <laughs> Be selective. James chapter 2 says, we are to avoid partiality in the church. There is nothing more damaging than I like him, but not him. And I like her, but not her. Nothing is more damaging than that. That is the most perverse thing ever in the church. And it's great wickedness. You can go to Genesis and get all the examples. Abraham loved Isaac more than Ishmael, right? And then one, uh, you know, parents love Jacob versus Esau. And then go on. It's like, I love Joseph. I'm going to give a coat of many colors and... All his brothers hated him then. Like it just keeps going on. It's like what we normally do. We like to play favorites. Don't do that with your kids. Don't do that. It's great wickedness. And it's not loving. Love them all the same. All your coworkers, love them all the same. Love them all the same. This last one, sentimentalism, shallowness, sweetness, selective, and service. Like, man, he served them by washing their feet. Serving is loving. But yes, sometimes serving isn't necessarily loving, right? <laughs> you can serve. You can, you can be one of the parking guys and be flagging people down. You can be serving all you want, smile on your face, waving the flag, and not love the people in the car. I've heard they're not that lovely sometimes. Is that true? (laughs) 
You can be a small group leader and lead a small group and yet not love the people. We'll just get to the point. I'll cut myself right to the heart. You can preach the message and get up and stand in front of people and say, this says the Lord, right? We have to do this and not love the people. And by God's grace, that's not true here, not today. Accept no substitutes, right? We're going after love, unconditional love, love without condition, right? So here's five uh, love supercharges. Love supercharges, right? I'm just going to go through these really quickly. We need to be done. Love supercharges, listening. Listening. I don't know what to say. Good, then listen. (laughs) It's good. Anything else? Is this what you're saying? Listen, that's loving. Loving to listen. Grace. When the news comes, and it does come, doesn't it? Of an unexpected sickness or pregnancy or whatever it may be. We love you. We're going to support you. You'll get through this. We're trusting God for a new season, a better season for you. That's grace. That's grace. Then believing. Nothing is better than saying, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you, Todd. I believe your best days are ahead of you. I believe in you, right? I believe God uniquely designed you. He's going to use you. Nothing, nothing's better than that. That's loving. We need to do that more often. God's not finished with you yet. He's going to use you in amazing ways. Love supercharges. It's limiting this far and no farther. But that's loving, to set up some boundaries. We talked about that earlier. For their sake, though, not yours. Right? They'll try to control people with love. For their sake, don't hurt yourself, please. This far, no farther. Limiting. That'll supercharge your love, having some boundaries. And then last, sacrificing. This is going to be hard. This is going to cost you something. I'm just thinking about the movie itself. The fact that I'm asking you to take some people to the movie, and that's get, I don't have that in the budget, and I don't know what we're going to do. Or if you want to help that person on the street corner or that person that comes to your house and knocks on the door. I, you know, it wasn't in the budget, but you know what? We sacrificed. We did it. We're going to make it happen. We're going to get there. It's the right thing to do to love these guys. This is love. So we must love. We must embrace love's priority. We must emulate love's example. And we must extend love's impact. Why? Because this is what we do. This is us. We're the church. Let me just read this for you in closing. Love is the greatest thing. The greatest. God the Father says so. Jesus the Son models it. The Holy Spirit is prompting us towards it. Love is the greatest thing. Love is the greatest force. Love transforms the heart of everyone it touches. Love softens anger. Love silences criticism and gossip. Love blesses and beautifies and builds up every person in its path. Love is the greatest. Love reaches across the chasm of hurt and misunderstanding. Love brings healing and forgiveness and hope to the weary. Love keeps giving even when no one notices or or says thanks. Love keeps going even when the end is not in sight. Love keeps growing in the heart of everyone who believes that God's way is best. God's way is the way of love. 
Love is the greatest. And we never do anything so godlike and great as when we choose to love. You want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ? Then we love without condition. Right? Let's stand and pray. I know last week I've been thinking about welcome without judgment all week. It's a good thing. And I know this week I'll be thinking about love without condition all week. And so there's some really good resources on the walk table for you in that regard. There's the pulpit curriculum, but there's also uh, another sheet that's kind of an extra sheet. You can get it online as well. But um, man, I tell you, these things are really good and they pierce my heart and they make me go deeper in these areas and it, it's really good. You know, at the end of every service, we say this thing, you are loved. But we mean it. We mean it. And so I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know who's hurt you, and you're like, man, I'm never going back to love them. I don't know what kind of, like, chasm you need to jump over to get to that love thing without condition. But I know it's going to be hard. And I know it's going to, if there's a gap, and I know it's going to require the Holy Spirit. And so, I think you just need to submit to him. So as I pray, I wonder if you just might open up your hands to the Lord and just say, God, I want to love, right? I want to love like you love. I want to be like your son, Jesus Christ. Just open up your hands and let him start to do that work in your life. Let's pray. God, we stand here in front of you your people, chosen, redeemed, forgiven, welcomed without judgment, rescued from ourselves, called to love, loved by you, and wanting to love others. But we live in this life and we've been hurt deeply And we don't understand all the time how we're going to get it done. So God, may we not try. May we rest. May we relax. May we fall into your arms. And may we <laughs> seek your face more. May we read the word. May we see who you are. And may we just try to model that. May we try to be like you rather than do these things. God, we want to be like you. Oh, to be like you. Precious Redeemer. That's what we're going for. That's what we're to do. Take us, God. Take us out into this world. May we be different and may it be noticeable. May they see, all men see, that we are your disciples because of our love for one another. I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.